Well, I'll be honest, I can hardly believe that we're here. Um, this, this, um, this work began to stir in me some years ago, and, and uh, I don't know many of you, but um, in a vocational sense, I found myself in a place in a very large organization, quickly becoming um, a very popular voice in this organization, and um, in, in the midst of that, God began stirring in my heart a passion for the city and for a place in the city where there was not a voice, um, one that would proclaim the good news of the Bible. And so we, we, uh, we stepped out on faith, not knowing how it would work. My wife, that says, if you don't know my wife, she's an amazing woman, and that should say a little bit about her, the fact that she would willingly go with me to, to an area and enter a season in our life where we were unsure of how would, we would even be able to afford to live. And, um, and so we stepped out. We found ourselves living at Hazard and Vassar and our t- kids attending Poe Elementary. And, and, uh, and that, that's been about a year and a half ago. And since then, we've just been meeting people and just trying to be Christ followers and just being what the Lord Jesus would want us to be and, and not trying to convert everybody or not trying to manipulate people or fool people, but instead just being a disciple, hoping to make disciples for God's glory. And though there's been some uncertainty along the way and some, some moments of stress, I, I, I won't lie to you about that, um, I have no doubt that being here with you today is a part of God's plan for my life. And so to stand before you and to share a little bit with you about our mission and who we are as a little community of faith is a real, is a real honor. I am one of uh, several people who've been dreaming about what God would do in the city for some time. And when this group of people began to get together about a year or so ago, we began to, to pray and to think about the city and begin to ask God to give us a great love for people who are far from God and at the same time give us a really gigantic view of who God is. And these conversations were being had about what it looked like to be a a church in a city that wasn't about religion or uh, legalism or things to do, but instead was about peace with Jesus Christ. And so uh, from this little fledgling group of people, we, we, we identified these words that describe our mission. We are inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. I don't know everything about God. I don't know how faith and reason marry one another. I I don't know every question about every religion that exists and how Christianity is different or the same than those. I don't know the answers to all those questions. But what I do believe deeply is that God is a personal being and he's revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. And God supernaturally revealed who he is and how he relates to human beings through a book called the Bible. And this Bible is for us to read about who God is and for us to understand what God has for our lives and why God has created us as human beings. And so this is, this is why I stand before you, and, and this is why I want to share a little bit about our mission with you. I had an interesting moment this morning. Um, uh, on my Sunday mornings before I get up and preach, I have a little routine where uh, I get up, and uh, I try to get up earlier than my kids, but they all got up really early this morning. Um, so I, 
I beat one of them, but that's a different story. Um, and uh, so I have this little routine where I eat the same thing. I try to do the same thing at the same time, right? Because on a Sunday, I'm like, there's all kinds of things that could go uh, not as planned. And so I'm going to make sure the things that I want to go right are going to go right. So I eat the same thing. I do the same routine, this whole deal. Anyway, so one part of my routine is I go over here, this little coffee shop called Minuti. You ever been over there? It's, it's in the Rice Hotel, at the, the bottom of the Rice Hotel. And... Uh, and I was there, and I, and I was sitting there, and I was about to leave, but I heard this voice, this like golden voice behind me. And he was on the phone, and I was listening. And, um, and, and I hear him, and, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's got an incredible voice. Like, he's got to be something important, you know, like a speaker or something. And um, it sounded a little like, um, um, uh, what's that actor's name that's like got a real deep, kind of earthy voice? Who? Yeah, well, James Earl Jones. I'll just throw it. Who, who cares? Uh, yeah, that guy. And, um, and uh, anyway, so, so I'm trying to figure out a way to turn around to talk to him. And so I kind of turn around and catch out of my peripheral. He's a priest. He's got a priest collar on. I thought, oh, this is going to be an interesting, like two like church leaders, you know, he, we're here, we're talking. I'm, he's real dressed up. I'm real casual. And so I turn around and we struck up a little bit of a conversation. It was a beautiful moment because he said to me, he said, son, what you're doing is a good work in the city, and we really, really need it. And I just thought it was a beautiful moment because just an, an hour or so later, here it would be before you talking about the work of God in the city, and not just my work, but the work of God in the city and how we're a part of it. So we're inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. Um, question for you. Uh, do you feel busy? Uh, would you... Uh, if somebody asked you how things are going in your world, would one of the first few things you'd say to them be busy? This is incredibly relevant, right? I mean, uh, our lives are so busy. How, how in the world do we get so busy? How in the world do we get where we just stack on activity after activity after activity? We put our head on the pillow at night, and uh, even with that late night, uh, glass of wine, our minds are still just spinning and, and turning, and, and, and we're just so busy. We wake up thinking about things. I mean, our lives in, in this culture are marked oftentimes by the word busyness. How do we get so busy? I, I, my observation has been that many people, most people I encounter are stressed or overcommitted or constantly on the go, but have this nagging sense that there's still more to be done. Do you live with that nagging sense? There's that nagging sense that I've not gotten all that I need to get done, done on this particular day. I know a little something about being busy. I'm, I'm married. I've been married uh, for 11 years, and, um, and my wife has this like, expectation that I spend time with her. And uh, is she in here, in fact? I'd love to, to yeah, she's in the back. Um, uh, she, she wants to, we want to spend time together. We want to have conversation together. It takes a measure of time. Some of you are newly married, and that's a new part of your life that requires some time and effort and energy from you, and it's a wonderful thing to do. But let's be honest, it's not always easy, right? Uh, in addition to being married, I, I have four children, which if you live like in the suburbs is kind of okay, but when you live in the city, you're just people look at you like, don't you get, why don't you get a TV or something? Um, <laughs> And so we have four children, and we're very happy to have four children. We feel like it's a blessing. We actually had a very difficult time getting pregnant once, and, uh, and, 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 and obviously things have worked themselves out. So um, we have four children, but it requires an, some effort and energy and, 
It requires mental energy and emotional energy and physical energy. And people ask me all the time, like, well, how is, how is it in your home? Is it just absolute chaos? And I say to them, no, actually, we've got a pretty good home. It's, I mean, there's a certain degree of busyness to it, but, but it's, there's a lot of peace in our home. Not only do I have a few children, four children, in fact. Um, by the way, they're all under the age of seven. Um, I, uh, I have a job, which I know some of you wonder about those of us that are in the ministry, whether or not it's a real job. But it does take time to find all the really good coffee areas of town. That <laughs> does take time and effort. So uh, it does. It does. And, and, and so we take all these things that are in our lives that we cannot get rid of those. You're married, you can't get rid of it. Some people would like to do that, right? They're not experiencing the peace that they thought they'd experience in their marriage or in their own heart, and, and, and they feel like their marriage is, is taken away from them, and so they walk away from it, maybe. Um, there are all these things like our children and our jobs, we have to, to work, or this is the society that we live in. And then in the midst of that, some of you are experiencing some sort of stress or unexpected tragedy. We have a few in our little uh, group already that have, have lost loved ones. And so you, you, you pile on the stress of that. Our lives, maybe the word busy is too easy. Maybe it should be described as chaotic. You know, um, some really incredible words by Jesus in John 14. He says, I have come to give peace, not peace, not as the world gives to you, but I give peace to you. The Bible talks a lot about peace, actually. It's regarded in Judaism as, uh, as, as so, so highly revered, this ideal of peace, that to, to speak the word peace or shalom is a blessing. The Jews have a, a, lo- a, a longing for peace. They, 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 they look forward to a time of peace, not just in natural relationships, in other words, between the Jewish culture and other cultures that oppose them, which has been happening since the beginning of time, it will happen until the end. But they, they have this ideal of peace between them as human beings and God Almighty. The Bible talks a lot about peace. And did you know that every world religion has an ideal of peace? And we could talk about what we talk about, or do, we mean, do I mean the peace like not warring with other nations. Well, yes, but I also mean the, the kind of peace where in your soul there's rest. We're inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Christ. You know, of all these other um, ideologies that exist, they value peace, but they get at it in different ways. That, that is distinctive. Some, uh, some of these different um, ideological systems pursue peace purely from an intellectual side or reason rules. And so they're going to try to figure it out. They're going to kind of try to stay intellectually on top of what's going on in their world and reason away the difficult parts and, and think through everything so that there can be some sense of order or peace. There's others that pursue peace through a series of, of, of maybe chance or, or a method. Even some that claim to be Christian like some churches have these methods, these lists of rules that if you'll just do these things, you'll feel peace and experience peace. And, and, and many in our world pursue peace just in small doses through things like narcotics or 
or entertainment. And it's, I mean, let's be honest, in Houston, you, you cannot find peace in any sports team at all, right? Because we're terrible. Um, but so some people even do that. They try to sort of get, have their souls fed by the, the enjoyment of, of something. Um, and then, of course, sex and sexual fulfillment exists. Some people are pursuing peace in that way. If only I could just have that special moment with that special someone, then I'll sort of feel rest in my soul. Um, but you know, it's, it's beautiful. Um, where the Bible talks about peace and where it's made available. It's made available not in a method, not in intellect, not in uh, war, not in entertainment, but it's found in a person. His name is Jesus. This is what's distinctly different about the gospel we proclaim, the good news that we proclaim. Peace is found in a person. His name is Jesus. He has the title Christ or Savior. We, because we read the Bible and the Bible teaches this, recognize him as, no, as something more than fully man, but he's fully God. He's God in the flesh, God incarnate. One name given to him at his birth, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Fully God, fully man. Now, I don't understand the, every part of how all that works out. I don't. I mean, I'm very limited in my understanding, and many of you are smarter than me, and, and maybe you understand it more. But what I do know is that this God-man fully God and fully man, did something that no human being has ever done, and that is live a sin-free, perfectly holy life. This is good news. The good news of the Bible is that you can be at peace in your soul, which comes first with your relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Now, now let me back up here. And I, I know um, my style actually more often is just to pick a passage of scripture in the Bible and just kind of go through it, but we need a good starting place as a church. And, and so what I want to do is give you about a 50,000 foot uh, view of the, the whole of scripture related to this idea of peace. The Bible talks about that in the beginning, Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, God created and he brought function to that which was dysfunctional. There was no function. And so he created this system and people and things, and it was marked by order or peace. And then he created human beings and gave them the freedom to, to worship him. And they rebelled. Rebelled against him. They tried to be gods themselves, which has actually been the, the, the aim of every errant religion in the world since, is the, here's how you can become a god yourself. And we see in the very early part of the Bible that God created, created these human beings. They rebelled against him and what was entered into humanity between people, between people and creation, and between God and humanity was brokenness. This brokenness that was entered, this brokenness is revealed through these little things called sin, and that's when we, we mess up. We don't do something that's totally right. All of us have done it. Some of you have a church experience, maybe you grew up in, this is very common in Houston for people that are not in church or don't believe. Your church experiences early on is hearing somebody, all they want to talk about is sin and beat you up with sin and beat you up with sin and beat you up with sin. That's a reality, but what it does is sin and our capacity to choose something that's not right 
just reveals that there's a brokenness in us and in our society and our culture. And that comes from this time where Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sin entered. And so the entire Old Testament is a story of God pursuing the restoration of this relationship with human beings for his glory. This is the story of the Old Testament. And so you have this moment in time where, where God gives them a list of rules and said, okay, I'm going to let you try to do it on your own. Here are some rules. It's called the law. And there were times where they did it right and other times where they didn't do it right. And what it did was set the stage for one who would come, a Messiah. The prophets talked about one who would come. We know him as Jesus, 700, even 700 years before he came. Isaiah chapter 48. And this isn't the only time, but just a glimpse. Isaiah chapter 48 uh, was talking about one who would bring peace. He's talking to Israel, and they've rebelled against God one more time. They've not obeyed the list one more time. It says, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, God speaking through Isaiah, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Isaiah also says in 53, chapter, uh, verse 5, chapter 53, verse 5, about this one who would come, we know him to be Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. Mind you, this is 700 years before he came. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. You see, there was order. Peace was broken. And then God began to pursue humanity. And the only way that the peace that was broken could be restored is through him becoming flesh and laying his life down on a cross. Some years after Isaiah prophesied, there was another prophet by the name of Zechariah. He claimed that this one who'd come by the name of Jesus uh, would bring peace. Not just an earthly peace, although some Jews expected it. That's why they missed him as the Messiah. Luke chapter 1, verse 79. The, the Messiah is coming to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Yeah, it's really incredible how often the Bible talks about God wanting people to experience peace in their souls. We believe that it's through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel we proclaim. And, and I recognize certainly that there are some of you that, that aren't there yet, and that you don't believe it, and that's okay. And so please don't let this be a moment where you say, I don't believe, you believe, and so we're just going to kind of stay in these camps. No, let's continue asking questions together. I've admitted to you, I don't understand it all, but I believe deeply, not only in my intellect, as I've studied and thought, not just the Bible, but other religions and other faiths. I believe in my intellect that God revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ, we can have peace in our souls with God Almighty. But I've experienced it in my heart. I know what it's like to lay my head on my own pillow at night, and in the midst of all the chaos, to have rest in my soul, to be at peace. I don't feel like I have to do a really good job at my work to be satisfied so that there will be some kind of peace. Some of you do. You work really, really hard because you're trying to achieve this degree of pleasure. And really what the, at the, you're trying to do at the end is you're trying to give yourself a sense of peace, that you're in control, or that you're enjoying your life. It won't happen. You're just going to work yourself to death. I believe deeply that through Jesus Christ we can have peace, which is why I 
I'm a part of a group of people that values the scriptures and heralds the message that in Jesus Christ you can have a life of peace. There's a lot of freedom there. It doesn't mean you won't be busy. It doesn't mean you won't have tragedy or difficulty come. All of us do, right? I mean, I've got a fair, my fair share of junk in my own family. Um, both Jeannie and I do. We deal on both of our families with people who are addicted to drugs. We deal on both of our families with divorce and infidelity, uh, not in our immediate family, but, but in our extension of our family. So we deal with that just like you. But how in the midst of all of it do we experience peace? Is it easy? No, because we trust in the person in the work of Jesus Christ. This is who we proclaim. You know, the Bible says that if you'll just exalt Jesus and lift up Jesus, that God will do the work in your hearts. So I actually feel no pressure this morning trying to convince you of anything. But what I do proclaim is that in Jesus Christ, there is peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We're inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Christ. So here's my invitation to you. Those of you that, that, are, that are not a part of a church regularly, my invitation to you is will you just give a little time a week to enter into this conversation with us, to do life with us, to listen to our scriptures. Not everybody that's here believes that the Bible is God's word, and that's okay. We're actually not planting this church for everybody that believes that this is God's word. We're planting this church for people that don't believe and are far from God. So my invitation to you is will you come and be a part? Just walk with us and experience God with us. You don't have to believe, and you may teach us some things, and I feel certain we'll teach you some things. But what we do know is that God is awesome and He's real. Real enough that on March 27, 2011, this group of people would gather here from all different walks of life and we would say one thing most often and that is the name of Jesus. So I, I hope you'll accept my invitation. There's not going to be like an altar call. Some of you are worried that at the end I was going to be like, all right, if you... You haven't given your tithe. Stand up. We're going to get you. You know, uh, it's not not about that. Uh, we want to have healthy faith conversations, and we want you to understand what we believe and what we herald, and we want to understand where you come from. That's our heart, and and I believe it. Some of you, I have friends here. I don't want to point them out. Are people that Jeannie and I have gotten to know over the course of the last uh, year, just through our kids' school, and I want you to know that you're important to us, and um, to have you here is a real honor. And this is important. This is about something more than just a faith that we've chosen. And this is kind of how we work out life. And now we believe deeply that this God is real. He's revealed himself in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that God is doing something to introduce the love of Christ to people in the world, in the city. And that's what we're a part of. This is what we give our lives to. For his glory, for his fame.